All right, we got to start with getting something right out of the way, right off the bat. Many of you know that our readings every week are picked for us, something called a lectionary cycle of readings. They are chosen for us to follow themes throughout our church calendar year. They strive to offer us continuity and connection to other world, others worldwide. So everyone, every Episcopalian, everyone using the Revised Common Lectionary is preaching on these texts this morning. And usually, it's helpful. And sometimes, it's weird. Today's weird, so let's just explain that. We have just celebrated Christmas. We are in the 12 days of Christmas. This coming week on Thursday, we'll celebrate Epiphany. You remember, this is the story that after, eight days after the birth of Jesus, the three wise ones find their way to the stable, following a star. Jesus is still a baby. So why? Why are we reading a story about Jesus as a preteen? Why are we reading a story about Jesus as a 12-year-old getting lost and separated from his parents? I am sure around the world there are lots of sermons this morning, starting off with stories about parents losing their children for even a moment. It is a universally shared experience of panic. I have my own. Two that quickly come to mind. Many of you know I'm one of four children, and growing up, we often traveled in the summer between Michigan and New Mexico via van, all six of us. And it was only inevitable that at one time when one of my brothers, I think six or seven-year-old at the time, he was in the restroom, and all of us gathered up in our dogs, and off we went, and it wasn't for at least an hour. My parents said something about Mark, and Mark was nowhere to be found. That ensured years of therapy for some young individual upon going back and finding him standing there at the gas station waiting for us. Or I have a story that Kim and I raising Taylor, who we brought home from China when she was 11 months old. She loved clothes, and she loved, I don't know where she got this, clothing shopping. And so I have any number of memories of going into a clothing store, and she thought it was abundantly fun to go and hide her little self in the clothing racks, right? Moments of panic, universally understood. It is hard for us to remember when we hear this story in the Gospel of Luke that we're much more individualistic. Back then, people did travel in groups of people. It's like my dream for church. When a child enters church, I want there to be a hundred parents looking out for that single child. So it was not unusual, really, that they wouldn't have noticed for a day. But it is very weird to me that we're reading this story today. So sometimes we identify with elements of stories that we hear can be helpful. And since this is the only story in all of Scripture where we hear about Jesus as a child, the storyteller in Luke must be trying to convey something of import. But as I thought about this story all week long, and I thought about the beginning of this new year, 
and the continuation of, I tried, but I can call this nothing other than the COVID shit show that we continue to live in, I started thinking about something very different. I want to start this morning with what happens at the very end of this gospel lesson from Luke that we just heard. The gospel writer of Luke ends this child lost, child found, then child parent confrontation with these words. But they, the parents, did not understand what he, Jesus, was saying to them. Then he, Jesus, went down with them, the parents, to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And then here are the words, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Mary treasured all these things in her heart. What the heck does that mean? Certainly, it can't just be a reference to losing Jesus and searching for him for three days, followed up by his parental pushback, scolding, for not knowing where he was. Anyone who has ever lost a child, even for a hot minute, I dare say, would not use the words, they treasured all these things in their heart. Then I thought a little bit, or a lot, about Mary. And what we have heard about Mary over the past few weeks in our lectionary reading. First, the angel Gabriel comes to this young, unwed woman and explains something inconceivable, if not downright terrifying, is about to happen to her. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, she is to bear a child, and not just any child. And at the end of that, how does she respond? Well, okay, if you say so, basically. Here I am, and I will be faithful. Then, shortly after that, we read about Mary's visit with her cousin Elizabeth, who was also miraculously pregnant, because she and her husband Zechariah, up until now, have not been able to have children. But, again, the angel Gabriel appeared to her, too, and explained their fortune was to be changed. And so it was. And it was during that exchange of the two cousins we get the words that we now call the Magnificat, the wonderful song of praise that Mary sings. Lots of ways to respond. But she says with gratitude and awe and wonder, she accepts what has been given and asked of her. And then finally, remember what happens later on in Luke on that not-so-silent night. When the shepherds came to greet a little brown-skinned refugee baby in a feeding trough. And at the end of that entire birth story, Luke again offers these final words. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. So I've been thinking a lot about Mary. As much, if not a bit more, I confess, than baby Jesus. I've been thinking about the picture of her in this birth story along with today's gospel and sensing her strength and her resilience and her courage. And more than that, throughout this extended narrative, she also seems to emulate something I think we often, I often forget. Her ability to face into the inconceivable, not just with strength, but with a posture of faithful resilience. 
The words used throughout these stories describe Mary as one who embraces reflection and pondering and treasuring and holding things in her heart. So I am struck this morning by the strength of that response. It seems to me that her choice to say yes at every turn, to keep on responding and trusting and moving forward regardless of circumstance, is a moving definition of what it might mean for us to walk into 2022 together as faithful disciples. Here we are, still living through something that we might describe as inconceivable, if not also a bit downright terrifying. And we too are called to find ways to say yes to what lies ahead. We are in between so much right now, aren't we? We're still navigating the changing landscape of this pandemic. We're still responding to the call of what it means to be the church in the world outside of these walls still. We are still struggling to find our footing as people called to both unite and also speak out against all forms of systemic and racial injustice. And we're still traversing the challenges of living into an exciting 10-year vision that we finished this year and also committing to urgent building repairs all the while. So much of ministry and life is up in the air for us. And more often than not, I suspect I am not alone when I say that my reaction is not naturally aligned with Mary's courage to say yes or her ability to treasure all these things in her heart. But maybe for today, maybe just for this morning, we can do as Mary seems to do again and again and find a way to say yes. Not in a Pollyanna, put our heads in the sand, denial kind of way. Not in a way that negates the very real challenges and losses that we continue to live through but simply as a moment to invite some reflection of this past year. Thinking about Mary's courage and her faith on what has happened to us as individuals and as a community, trusting that there is always gift, sometimes even in the midst of the challenge. I invite you in this week ahead to spend a little time looking back on this year before it fades too far into the rearview mirror and see what you can hold on to moving forward. I have found myself in preparing for this sermon pondering, pondering, if you will, three things that have been gifted to me through 2021 that I intend to carry with me into 2022. I want to share them briefly as three lessons that I will bring with me this year. Three lessons that I maybe will be brave enough to bring to the stable next week as we kneel at the baby Jesus and celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. They are not gifts of gold and myrrh, frankincense and myrrh, but for me they are just as valuable, maybe even more. And as I embrace each, I know they come not fully formed but as invitations, waiting for me to ponder them further and learn more from them. The first is a story. 
Some of you know that this past summer I was invited to be in a production of Godspell, directed by our very own Michael Varlow. Through that experience and through Michael's companionship, I received the lesson of letting go and learning to trust just a little bit more than I otherwise would. It was an unlikely and challenging and transformational experience. It was more improvisational than staged or scripted. If we heard Michael say it once, we heard him say a thousand times, I really don't care where you end up on the stage as long as you know how and why you got there. This horrified me. You see, the thing is, efficiency, planning, knowing where I am to be and when I am to be there, these are my superpowers. And so when those are taken away, I wasn't sure what would be left. And of course, what was left was much greater, much more wonderful than anything I could have controlled. The second is a poem. National youth poet laureate Amanda Gorman has just in this past week written a new poem for this year. And it captures for me the powerful lesson of coming together. So much of this year for me has been about struggling to find ways to stay connected to all of you. Connected to the best parts of me and my family as well. So many of my Episcopal colleagues have struggled over these past two years with issues of identity. Who are we as priests without what I would describe as proximity? I can't meet you for lunch. I can't come to your homes. We don't gather here regularly to celebrate the Eucharist. It has been hard to say yes to that reality. But looking back on this year and reading the words of this poem have helped reframe some of those challenges. And I think I can look at this past year through Mary's vision. Here is Amanda Gorman's beautiful poem, New Day's Lyrics. Maybe this, may this be the day we come together. Morning we come to mend, withered we come to weather, torn we come to tend, Battered, we come to better. Tethered by this year of yearning, we are learning that though we weren't ready for this, we have been readied by it. Steadily we vow that no matter how we are weighed down, we must always pave a way forward. This hope is our door, our portal even if we never get back to normal, someday we can venture beyond it to leave the known and take the first steps. So let us not return to what was normal, but reach towards what is next. What was cursed, we will curse. What was plagued, we will prove pure. Where we tend to argue, we will try to agree. Those fortunes we foresee, now the fortunes we foresee weren't aware, we're now awake. Those moments we missed are now those moments we make. The moments we meet and our hearts once altogether beaten, now altogether beat. Come, 
Look up with kindness, yet for even solace can be sourced from sorrow. We remember not just for the sake of yesterday, but to take on tomorrow. We heed this old spirit in a new day's lyric. In our hearts we hear it. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne. Be bold, sing time this year. Be bold, sang time. For when you honor yesterday, tomorrow ye will find. Know what we've fought. Need not be forgot, nor none. It defines us, binds us as one. Come over, join this day just begun. For wherever we come together, we will forever overcome. And finally, the third is a song. A song that I am choosing to take into 2022 as it reminds me of the lesson to be not afraid. Over the past several weeks, those who have participated in Trinity at Home have heard this beautiful song by singer-songwriter Alana Lewandowski. In the opening collect, we've heard from Work of the People, the collect that she sings the words, We are Bethlehem. These words have stood out in my mind as I prepare to sing this song, these other words that are kind of a complement to this song. She sings long ago in Bethlehem. Christ was born through Mary's, yes, the angel choir sang of this kiss, that God is woven in with this. We are Bethlehem. We are Mary's yes. The angel choir sings of this kiss. God is woven in with this. Half a woman, half a child Mary lay there sleeping Never dreamed that in a little while She would hear the angels greeting Opened her eyes to see that Gabriel had come Opened her heart to hear You are the chosen one So do not be afraid Do not be afraid For love has found its way to you So do not be afraid Shepherds kept their flocks by night Guarding against danger When suddenly there was blinding light And then things got even stranger Angels in the sky far as the eye could see Singing, Christ is born and 
One more thing Do not be afraid Do not be afraid For love has found its way to you So do not be afraid So half believing, half afraid We celebrate the story But our lives feel about a world away From those angels and their glory So open our eyes to see what Mary saw somehow Open our hearts to hear those angels even now They're singing, do not be afraid Do not be afraid For love has found its way to us Do not be my friends may 2022 move us into a time where we grow muscles of trust and vulnerability where we increase in our capacity to connect deeply and we dispel our fear trusting that indeed each and every one of us and channel Mary and be the yes that the world needs to hear. May it be.